So my guest today is Ryan Lee, who is actually an old friend of mine. It's always kind of funny slash interesting when I get to sit down with somebody who I've known for many years and grill them on parts of their life that I actually don't yet know. And that was the case with Ryan. I learned a lot about him. I mean, I've kind of known things. Ryan grew up outside of New York City, started to sort of like gain an entrepreneurial spirit in his early teens. And he shares a story about how uh, he actually had middle-aged men coming to his house to buy things from him when he was 12 and 13 years old. And he built on that and mixed his love of movement and exercise and physiology and service and started out his career actually helping kids, helping kids who are really struggling with physical limitations and conditions and disease. And that evolved into something he never saw coming, a whole career path that had some really high highs, but also some really low lows and kind of landed him in what he calls the dark years of his life, which he has been slowly emerging from over the last five years. And that's all kind of manifested in a new venture, which is launching actually a new series of nutrition bars called Rewind, which is uh, pretty cool. How we got to that place and how he feels about it and what he's scared about as he does this is all part of the conversation we have today. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed sitting down and learning a lot more about my old friend, Ryan Lee. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. 
What kind of kid were you? What were you into? I was, you know, I was a good kid. I never got into trouble. I listened. It was, you know, growing up when we did, it was different back then. You know, it was, I really do. I look back now. Maybe that's why I'm building this company, kind of tapping back into the late 70s, early 80s, because I had such, I had like this perfect childhood. We moved into a neighborhood when I was 10 years old and it was a new neighborhood and there were like 110 houses and they were all being built as we were moving in. So we were the 10th house. So imagine there are a hundred lots of houses being built with dirt and it was all kids my age. So all we did was, you know, we'd get home from school, I'd leave the house and I'd play with my friends and ride our bikes and play in mud and dirt until about five, six o'clock. And my mom would say, Ryan, and then you come home. Right. So it's it like was, the classic sort yeah. of like thing that you see on like the old TV shows. And it was, yeah. And, and you know, I was, uh, I was pretty relaxed though. I just went with the flow. I loved baseball cards. Started my first business when I was 12. A, a, base, <laughs> a, baseball, card, a baseball card. Is, and it was, it's funny because I Trading? was- Trading? Oh, I would buy and sell. Yeah. And I even took out ads in magazines, like print, like space ads for free priceless. And I would, I would type them out on my typewriter. My dad would get them Xeroxed and I'd mail them out. And it was funny. People would send me cash through the mail. You know, oh, and I would type up a price list. Oh, I have 1959 Mickey Mantle, yeah. very good condition, $20. And they sent me $20. And then we started getting calls because I had my phone number on it, our house number. And I remember guys, like adult men would come to my house. They called me. I was 12, yeah, between 12 and 13 years. It was like 1985. And uh, all the baseball cards in the basement. And my mom would be like, Ryan, why are you going to the basement with these grown men? I'm like, mom, come on. Like we're doing baseball cards. But it was the best business model in the world because I would get baseball cards for my birthday and like my bar mitzvah and stuff. And then I'd, I'd get them and then I'd sell them for, for 100% profit. It was pretty nice profit. It's so, a good markup right yeah, there. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, it's amazing that before they actually sort of like met you, do people know that they were dealing with a 12, 13-year-old kid? I don't think so. I don't think they did. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known, especially when it was through the mail. Right. There's no uh, internet. There was no email. No. There was like, you couldn't search for a 12-year-old no. Ryan it, on Facebook. It only it had, exist. Right. It only had my name on the ad. It had my name and our home address. And I'm just imagining like, yeah, you know, like some middle-aged dude showing up at your front door and be like, I'm here to uh, pick up the cards from Ryan. Then yes. like looking down and saying, I know. <laughs> Although, see, kid. here's the thing. See, I'm only five foot eight, but I was, when I was like 13, I was five eight. I, I okay. grew. So I was like a little... And I was pretty strong even at that age. So I felt good. I felt like I could right. kind of take an adult or at least <laughs> scrap if I had to. So I didn't look like a little <laughs> little kitty. I just haven't grown in, in 30 years. That's too funny. So you, <laughs> you, you had like this passion for kind of the hustle, the entrepreneurship from a pretty young age. I um, liked it. Yeah. Al- along with, was the thing about baseball cards also, like, was there a passion for fitness, wellness also? Or was that just kind of like a means yeah, of- Yeah. Well, I tried playing baseball when I was a kid, but I was terrible. See, I was- I was not coordinated at all. I was really bad. I remember the first year I played, I struck out like every time. The only thing I did have was my speed. So I was fast. And I started, you know, in, in elementary school, you race kids. And I was racing everybody and I would win. I'm like, oh my God, I think I could do this. And then the sports started happening in, what was it, eighth grade. It was our junior high and I joined the track team. And I was like, I'm home. Like my first meet I won. And I ended up winning, see Rockland, I'll bring it back to Rockland County. I ended up winning the Rockland County championships for all of junior high for every, you know, 13, 14 year old. And I set a county record and I'm like, this is the greatest thing. So, and I was working out more and lift, I started lifting weights when I was like 13. So that's how I started getting into the fitness and the training. Then I ran track all through high school and all through college too. What'd you get to college for? I got a degree in recreational therapy. What is that? Yeah, exactly. It's like play therapy. So I, 
I specialized in working with kids. It was the greatest college stuff. So I took like ropes courses. I created ropes courses. I, I took basic camping. I took a class called New Games. And then I took anatomy and physiology. But I learned a lot about leadership and leading people. I remember being 19 and I was a volunteer big brother and I'd run programs and go in with senior citizens. You go into children's hospitals. So you did all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a really strong service element to what you're doing from pretty early age. Too. Yeah. I'm wondering where that came from. You know, my parents were always giving, caring people. My my mom volunteered. My dad owned a retail store, a yarn store, the yarn barn. Um, <laughs> but he was the most, and he still is the most like outgoing, caring. Whenever people meet him, they just love my dad. He's the friend. People think I'm friendly. I'm like, I'm like, I'm an introvert next to my dad. So I just learned that from him. And he always taught me, you know, you've got to take care of your customers. You've got to treat them well. They're everything. And he just like, they would come in. They'd be like, Bruce, because my dad's name is Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they'd be like, Bruce. The other Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of learned it from them. Just, you know, just being a good person, just doing the right thing. And my grandparents, all my grandparents were just nice, just nice, simple people. Just, they always treated everyone well. Yeah. So yeah. when you got out of school with that degree, what is that? Where does that send you? So I worked, my first job was a children's rehab hospital. It was called Blythedale Children's Hospital. It was really interesting because I got my internship there between my junior and senior year. Right. And- they liked me a lot. So they kept, there was a job that opened up like maybe a month into my senior year. They called me, said, Ryan, we have a job in our department, except it's adapted aquatics. Do you want the job? I said, but I don't graduate for a year. They said, we'll hold it for you. I said, but I'm not a good swimmer. <laughs> that was the one, I was never a good swimmer. And they said, that's okay. Just take a lifeguard class. I'm like, what are you talking? So my assistant track coach in college taught the lifeguarding. So I, I ended up becoming a certified lifeguard to learn how to do this. And they held the job for me the entire year. So the first couple of years, I spent most of the time in the pool with the kids, just kind of learning as I was going. But so I'd spend an hour or two in the pool with the kids. And then I was doing sports and fitness. And it was a great job because we ran the whole hospital at night. So all the physical therapists, occupational therapists, they'd all leave inpatient hospital. And we would have, I'd work from two- oh, it was to inpatient. So the inpatient. kids were actually living oh, there. Oh yeah. Oh, they all live there. Oh, it's it's the greatest place in the world. Tell me, um, tell me about the kids. What types of kids you were working it, with? It was, it's mostly a physical rehab. So okay. a lot, I would say 85% of the kids are in wheelchairs. A lot of kids post-surgery, spina bifida, cerebral palsy, spinal cord injuries. We even had some kids like with, with diabetes that needed inpatient, you know, really advanced care. But it was physical rehab, but yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah. When you said yes to that as uh, sort of like going into the beginning of your senior year in college... Did you really understand what you would be doing and who you would be working with? Like, yeah. was it crystal clear to you? Yeah, because I had, I had spent the whole summer with them the year before. Okay. I knew exactly. And I'm like, this is my job. Like, this is going to be my career forever. And I, I ended up staying there for six years. Yeah. That was my full-time gig for six years. And it was it was amazing. During that that window of time, are there any were there any moments or any sort of like experiences that really stood out as moving you deeply or defining sort of like who you were and the way you saw oh, the world? Man. Yeah. I'm going to get emotional. You know, I remember there was one girl, Adriana, and it was uh, during my internship. And I remember uh, we'd work from two to 10 at night. And we'd, one of my favorite things was going around to every kid's room and every bed and saying goodnight to them. I just love that. I still love doing it with my kids, like tucking them in. And uh, she had this thing, this uh, disease called scleroderma, which is this, I'd never heard of it. It's basically the hardening of your art, like everything in your body hardened, your arteries, your skin. And it was mm. I just remember one night walking through, and she was the sweetest girl. She was like 15 years old and her just like screaming in pain, just so, uh, just like, it just tore me up. And that was hard. So I knew a lot of kids 
that passed away <laughs> over the years. It was always hard, but what it did, and even to this day, I never get too stressed about things. Even when like my whole life started falling apart, I'm like, I still have it pretty good. I still have like, I still have my health and now my wife and my kids are all happy and healthy. Everything's good. Even when we had our first child or my second, my third, my fourth child, everyone's like, do you want a boy? Do you want a girl? I said, I truly just want a healthy baby. That was it. And it really, they're like, no, do you, I'm like, I'm serious. Like, that's it. Just healthy baby. A kid that could even walk. I was so used to kids in wheelchairs. That's all I saw with kids in wheelchairs for years and years and years. So it was odd. Even when I'd leave the hospital, I'd go to a park and you'd see kids running around. It just felt foreign to me. I'd be in the gym and there'd be 30 kids and 22 would be in wheelchairs, two would be in stretchers, one's blind. And they'd be like, okay, Ryan, here's a basketball. Go do, go do an activity for an hour. And you learn how to get creative. Yeah. You know, it just really made me appreciate life. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it gives you perspective on what the big things really are and what the little things really are at an right. unusually young age. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people don't ever get that, right. let alone have that in their, um, I'm guessing this was like early to mid twenties for you. Yeah. I've started, I did the internship there when I was 20 and started working there when I was 21. Nah. So um, that was like really formative for me. And uh, that's why I try not to complain about things because, you know, <laughs> everything's firmly in perspective and it has been for a long time. Nah. So. I don't know if this is a legit quote or not, but I, I often reflect on a quote that is, it's attributed to Einstein, which is something like, there are only two ways to see the world. One, everything is a miracle or two, nothing is a miracle. Mm. It's kind of like that. If you can wear that lens and not saying that it's easy. Yeah. Life throws a lot of stuff at you as <laughs> you move through it. But oh just to have, like to see and experience what you experienced at a fairly young age and to be in service of these kids, knowing that every day you walk in, you show up and you're generally making a meaningful difference in their lives. And also knowing that many of them have conditions where at some point they're going to leave. Yeah. Either leave the hospital or right. leave the planet. Right, right. And a lot of them, most of the kids were inner city kids. So they mm. came from really tough environments too and the wow. background. So they had so many strikes against them. So yeah, it was it was hard, but but it was always a spirit of them getting better. And you know, I know this is gonna sound cheesy and like some motivational poster, but it really is it was really amazing how brave these kids were. Like a kid with, with cerebral palsy who will be there. And this, this could be like their 19th surgery and they're like 14 years old. And they're like, they come in with casts again and they're in casts for like seven months. It's, mm. you know, with us, I remember I broke my finger like two years ago and I had a little splint and it was annoying, but I couldn't even imagine like what these kids have gone through. Nah. And they they go through physical therapy for hours and hours every day and just not complain. They're just moving forward. What After six years, what was it that led you to... To move on from there. So I started, so I, w I was there from 94 to 2000. And at the end of 98, early 99, I was doing a lot of part-time personal training in the extra hour I had a day. <laughs> and I put myself through graduate school. I got a master's in exercise physiology. So I started getting really serious about the fitness stuff. And then I had a website built for me at the end of 99 about sports training, because that's what I was doing. I was training young athletes. And it started growing and growing. This was before Facebook and YouTube and all that no. stuff. So all you had to do was write a couple articles and you're at the top of the search engines, Hotbot and all that stuff. And I got the attention of a big sports company. They offered to buy me. I'm like, really? So I'm like, yes, but don't get too excited <laughs> because they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a check for $500, not $500, but we're going to give you all these stock options because this was right before, this was right as the dot-com yeah. boom, everything was, cr and they're like, you know, in two years, you're going to be a millionaire. And we'll give you like 65,000. That was like more than, I was making 26 grand at the hospital. 
So I was, it was a huge raise. I could have my own space. They right. were based, and I, I took it. I said, let me try this new chapter. Let me try something different. And after two months, the whole bust, like everything collapsed, the right. whole dot com. And they said, sorry, we're letting you go. I'm like, what do you mean? I just left my job. Like, what? So I had to struggle really fast and get another job. And I got one at a big internet company in New York City. So I was living in Stanford, Connecticut at the time. Did you have any thoughts of going back to the job that you had? Though? I actually did. I emailed that. I, I was messaging them a call, but they didn't have any, they filled my spot. Uh-huh. And I said, I'll create a job. I'll do anything. But also, you know, I went from 26 grand to like 65 and then I was going to have to go back to 30. But so I was kind of struggling a little bit and it took me about a month to find this new job at an internet company. It was awful. I had to commute into the city every day on the train. And you know me well, I just, it wasn't. And it was right by Grand Central. It was in a little cubicle. And I'll never forget when they interviewed me. She's like, oh, do you know, um, this is for an editing position. Do you know HTML? I'm like, sure. <laughs> I don't freaking know HTML. <laughs> I just, I got through with my personality. And she's like, oh my God, you're going to be great. And after like a couple of days, she's like, I thought you said, you know, HTML. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I was just trying to like distract her. So it was just a matter of time until I was gone. We did not get along well. So after six months, they let me go. <laughs> and then I'm like, I need another job. So then I was looking online and I'll never forget. I saw an ad. It said, any runners who want to teach? I'm like, well, I was a runner and I like working with kids. So it was an alternative high school in the South Bronx in Hunts Point. And they said, we're starting up a new health and phys ed program. What does that mean, alternative high school? It was a high school for kids who couldn't hack it in the regular schools. It wasn't a public school, so they could make their own hours. They could do their own thing. So it was all kids who, most of them had been arrested and in trouble with the law. When was this around? So this was 2000, and I left the job in 2000. I did that other stuff. So this was 2001. This was like June 2001. Yeah. So the South Bronx was still a, a pretty interesting place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, this was like on the tail end of when, I mean, sort of like the crack epidemic really decimated a lot of the South yeah, Bronx. Yeah. And it was, we were in Hunts Point. So we're right. in the thick of it. Yeah. Like, and yeah, we were right in the middle. Uh, I mean, you'd, you go out, you, <laughs> I had an old beat up car and they kept stealing. They would steal my little blinker lights. They'd steal my side view mirrors. Then I went to the police station the first time. I said, what's, you know, they're like, oh, we know who it is. It's, it's this guy. He's a, he's a crackhead and he's just going to keep stealing them. And I used to have to buy it back from the guys who'd steal it. From, so I, I would drive and the guys had these little garages right off the, right off the Bruckner. And they go, yo, come here. And I drive, I, I drive over. They're like, yo, you're missing the, the lights. <laughs> right, and I go, all right. And he, they, and I, I swear, people think I make this up, Jonathan. He'd come out with a garbage bag. And he'd go, all right, that's a, you know, 85, blah, blah, blah. Here you go. It's 20 bucks. <laughs> and I'd buy him back. But they kept stealing my side view mirrors so many times and it kept getting expensive. So one, the one guy goes, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Just sit in your chair. And he took a, he got a big mirror out and he cut it around the thing. He, and he glued it onto my side in the side. I'm like, well, what if someone else drives my car? You can't move it now. He goes, well, no one else is going to drive your car now. This is yours. <laughs> so that was my experience. I was in the South Bronx for about a year. Um, and it was great. There? So I was, I started up their whole gym health and phys ed and I, I wasn't even a teacher. I just created a curriculum. I did really cool things. I got to do whatever I want. I did a, a recreation class and we took them here right in Midtown Manhattan and took them uh, indoor rock climbing. Mm. I taught them football, health, anatomy. It was a lot of fun. But that's when on the side and I started seeing like the director of the school was, I don't want to talk bad about people. He was awful. Um, <laughs> awful. Just r- terrible leadership. It was really, it was a, it was a rough place to work. And I, I love some of the, my fellow teachers. I'm still friends with some of them to this day, but it was just not a really good environment. I said, I need to kind of figure out what my next move is. And that's when I got real, I was always doing the internet on the side at this point. 
after that big site collapsed, they gave me back my company. So I was kind of messing around. I'd make a thousand bucks here, 500 bucks there. What were you doing? Like, how were you actually making money? I was selling training equipment. I was selling training programs. I would hire someone. They'd pay me $99 and I'd have, I'd pay him 30 and he'd create a training program for them. It's almost like you're like the evolution of the baseball card thing. (laughs) Right, right. It was like this kind of weird arbitrage. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of playing around. And then I started learning about recurring revenue, which is like my favorite thing. And I, I took all this content. I'd been writing all these articles. And I said, let me really get serious and let me make it a paid membership site. So I put it behind a paywall. And it was, and people think I make this, it's unreal how weird this is. I remember driving into the Bronx, perfect morning. And I was going to go live that day. Everything was free. And that day I kept teasing my list. I said, we're going to launch it, paid membership site. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. That day was September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. And like, my, you know, obviously the whole world stopped. I know you have obviously a story with what happened, what you were doing with your life at that point. So I put obviously everything on hold for a while. So I ended up launching it a couple weeks later. And right off the bat, it was like a big success, this membership site. It was sports, tra- it was all for strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, athletes, and it was like 50 bucks a year and we got a lot of members and it kept going and going and going. And I told my wife, and I, I always want to be really conservative and because we didn't have any kids at the time. I said, if I could do this for six months, consecutive income, then I want to do this full time. And she said, all right, let's do it. And six months and the income kept growing and growing until it was more than what I was making as a gym teacher. And then I left and this was about June of 2002, I think. Yeah, June, about June 2002, I left that job and I've been full time on my own ever since. And now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> the Good Life Project. Yeah, there's been, it's been a little more of this happened between then and now. Yeah, yeah. So the 16 years. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. interesting because when I first sort of like heard, you know, like the name Ryan Lee, it was in association with this world of the internet and internet marketing right. and quote, recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. And I then, and to this day, have a really <laughs> mixed <laughs> association with that world, even though I play in that same yeah. space to a certain extent myself. And I think it's funny because I was reflecting on this recently. I have this recollection of actually sort of keeping that entire community at arm's length, including you, Mm -hmm. just because I had this association. And I remember when I first met you, I'm like, huh, this guy has a different heart, a different set of intentions. And I always, it was interesting for me to sort of try and reconcile what I knew about this world and who this person is. And I'm curious for you on a personal level, because then you went on to build, you know, like membership site after membership site and Mm -hmm. and develop this really big reputation as a quote, thought leader slash guru. And in this space, coming out of a world where you spent six years just serving kids who mm-hmm. were like fiercely in need and then working in alternative high school out in the South Bronx. And then to be in this world, did you have any sort of like internal struggle or conversation about balancing these sort of like two sides of you? You know, it was a, a very slow road. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause I started, so the first few years, first three, four years, which I was only in the health and fitness industry. So I felt like I was still serving people. I was doing training articles and fitness programs and helping people live a better life and helping strength coaches. And they were helping kids. And I was going to strength and conditioning facilities and talking to doctors about fitness, like all this cool stuff. So that was from like 2002 to 2006 and 2007. And then it started to change with one event. I was asked to speak. So the internet marketers, you know, this whole world, they started to take notice of me. They're like, look at this guy doing this in the fitness industry. He's doing some really cool things. 
And then they asked me to, uh, my friend Yannick Silver, who I'd met through this whole internet. So he asked me to speak at one of his events and I got on stage and I guess no one had really talked about this stuff, like membership sites at this high level strategy stuff and people were just blown away. And that's when things started changing. I'm like, hmm, maybe I could teach people how to do this more. And uh, it, you start getting into it and what ha- you start getting seduced by the numbers a little bit. You start getting, you know, marketing starts to become a game and you start to lose sight a little bit about the people you're helping. And I definitely went, started going down that road and it all came to a head later, a few years later. And I'll never forget, I'm not going to say this person's name, but I was speaking, I, so I'd speak at a lot of events and do, I would do the same shtick, right? You get up there, you do your, your one hour talk, your kind of fluffy talk. And then you do, you lead up to your big pitch and your big sell. And I was about to get on stage, probably 500 people there. And, and the producer of the event comes up to me right before. And I love, spe- you know me, John, I love speaking. I get fucking, I'm all ramped up. And I'm like excited. I'm like sweating already getting on the stage. And he goes, all right, Ryan, you got one job and one job only. And I thought he's going to say to me, rock the stage, whatever. And he goes, you have one job, extract as much money from everyone as possible. In those exact words. And I don't know why. I don't know what it was about that phrase, extract as much money. But it was like, that was like the beginning of the turn. I'm like, I remember physically like kind of taking my, I thought he was kidding. I was waiting for him to smile and he wasn't. And then I'm like, this is really starting to feel wrong. And that's when I'm like, this is, I was veering slow. I didn't see myself kind of going off the path. And that, that was like the moment, like, all right, I am really heading in the wrong direction. And that's what things started to kind of change for me. And that was probably one of the last times I sold from stage. And I've had events. I've had, I mean, I've been now, if I do any speaking for the past six years, I don't, I never sell from stage. I never go to events that pitch or anything like mm-hmm. that. And um, yeah, it started to get, I'm like, it had only been six years, before, seven years before that, that I was working in a children's hospital. I mean, talk about one end of the spectrum, but working in a children's hospital to being on stage, trying to extract money from people. I just got off my, my mission. You're right. And, and, and I, I use those words all the time to serve people. And I wasn't serving. I was serving myself. And mm. uh, I felt like crap. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do from there? I mean, because at this point also, you're married. Did you have kids by then also? Yeah, we had at that point, we had three and our fourth was on the way. Okay. So you're married. You have three kids, a fourth on the way. Yeah. Living in New Canaan, Connecticut. Right. So you've, you've now built a lifestyle yeah. around the assumption that this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to sort of like succeed and take care of the family also. Yeah. And it's always interesting to me because I think when you have an awakening like that and you're younger and you have people relying on you and it's much easier to just blow things up. Right. Because who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll start over. I'll go make like a little bit of money and live in a, a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. But when you're at, I, I'm always fascinated because when, when somebody is at a point in their life where they've actually built, they've got a family, they've got right. promises they've made, responsibilities, people looking for them to stability. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of awaken to the fact that the direction I've been going in is not the direction I want to continue going in. How do you honor a changing course while at the same time honoring the sort of sense of commitment that you feel like you've made to your family? You know, I don't know how I did it. You know, looking back, I felt like for five years I was treading water, you know, like that kind of balancing act in between things. And I was balancing doing a product and I would, I would start getting away from it. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't sell these products. I can't create this stuff anymore. And I'd feel like a financial crunch and I would go back to what's comfortable. Oh, let me, let me create, you know, some product. I call one like commission repo or some crap. Right. And 
and it was painful when I had to do that because even though I knew it was, they were still good products and I felt like it was, it was still helping people, it wasn't what I wanted to do. So it was tough. We did have, I had two nutrition companies that I had started like a year before that. So they had started to grow and grow and grow. So luckily it was taking a little bit of the financial pressure off of me. It wasn't so stressful where all of my income was done, but it was like a slow transition and a lot a lot of start and stops, a lot of, let me go in the, this direction. No, it doesn't work. Let me go in this direction. No. And people were like, my God, what are you like? They must've thought I was out of my mind because every day, like I was doing something else and shifting and looking back, I don't know how anyone even stuck with me. Cause I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, it's funny. Cause I look at that process now and the, what you just described to me is actually probably much more deliberate than you even realized when you were in it. And it's basically, it's saying, okay, so I know this isn't what I want to keep doing. I'm not entirely sure what the direction is from here. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I know I kind of want to make sure I'm okay and you know, like the people that are looking to me are okay. So I'm going to keep trying different things. I'm going to keep testing different right. things to see if I can find the new sweet spot right. between where I can earn a sustainable living and what genuinely feels aligned with who I am and what I really care about. And sometimes yeah. that means balancing, like running 10, 15, 20 different experiments. So from right. the outside in, it can look as if this person is just going in a million different directions. <laughs> yeah. But if there's some intention, if there's like a bit of deliberate process around yeah. it, it can actually be, and you kind of iterate through it relatively quickly. Very quick. It can be, you know, it can be really effective. You're right. That's why I love talking to you because you're able to get inside like my head and, and verbalize it. But that's exactly what it was. I would test fast. I would lead with my heart, right? I'd be like, what is it I want to do? What do I want to try? And then I would try it fast and I would never get emotionally attached to it. And if it didn't work, I cut it and do the next thing. And some things were in the health space. Some things were in the business and marketing space. They tended to be more in the internet marketing space because that's where I had grown this reputation. And you know, it was just, it was easier to make money, especially back then in that day. And When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good Life Project is brought to you by LinkedIn Ads. So have you ever felt the challenge of reaching a key decision maker in the B2B world? Imagine connecting with a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders. Well, LinkedIn Ads provides precision targeting and measurement tools tailored for B2B marketers, outperforming other platforms with two to five times higher ROAS in technology. Plus, 79% of B2B content marketers vouch for LinkedIn Ads' exceptional pay media results. What sets LinkedIn ads apart is their understanding of the complex B2B landscape. They have built a platform to support you through intricate decision-making processes. I've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times to help grow our work-focused venture, Spark Endeavors, and I've been seriously impressed by the performance. So if you're ready to elevate your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. 
Good Life Project is supported by Dell. So seasons change. So why not your tech? Upgrade now during the Dell Technologies Summer Sale event and save on select PCs like the XPS 16 powered by Intel Core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive project to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. Plus, complete your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop at dell.com deals, you'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time, only at dell.com deals. That's dell.com deals, or just click the link in the show notes. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You mentioned also that you started building these other nutrition companies on mm-hmm. the side, which eventually yeah. became pretty substantial companies. Right, right. They, yeah, at the height, they were like really cranking. It started with my idea, my name, you know, the brand, and but my head wasn't in the right space and it wasn't fair to my partners because I was off doing a hundred different things. Uh, because, you know, building a company like that takes time. It's not like a digital product where you could launch it and you could be profitable in like five minutes. When you have millions of dollars of inventory and overhead and staff, it can take months or years. Mm. So I was trying to balance that. I was trying to start and stop new things. So I wasn't really giving that my full attention, but it did it because I had a really good network of fitness professionals. They were all promoting it. Every big kind of fitness marketer, we were their back end. So we, uh, we had some really good years, some really good years. Uh, and then we started another company that took off another health company, a nutrition product, but we've closed them or sold them over the past like two years. So, I mean, it's interesting because it's like, you come back again to the same place. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, I keep succeeding at different things. I keep succeeding at bigger things. Mm-hmm. And yet these things eventually contract on their own. And then you know, the, the reality is the way you describe, the way you feel about them from the beginning is in probably in no small part, you know, like that was also connected to you just really not, like this not being a really well aligned expression no. of who you are and what you care about, which yeah. I mean, it's so, I mean, you, you've worked with now thousands of people in business, coaching them and helping yeah. them. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. It's so interesting to me that to see that when there is a misalignment and sort of like the essence of who you are as a person and what you want to put into the world and the business that you either build or the mm-hmm. career that you have, whatever it may be, that that friction never goes away. Until yeah. in some way, shape, or form, everything kind of 
implodes. Yeah. Or there's a really disruptive change that's forced. No, you're right. It just never lasts. It does. It just doesn't sustain. And it, even though when I started it, because now, you know, now that you're saying this, even when I look back at the first supplement company I started, I didn't start it with the idea that, oh, I want to create these supplements because that's what I, I, I created because I knew there was an opportunity. I had all these health and fitness professionals that followed me. Every nutrition company was asking me to promote them because I had a good list. But most of the products were either garbage or it was just a lot of network marketing opportunity. I didn't want to do that. So I'm like, why don't I just create my own company? And that was why it was basically to serve a need, but it wasn't, I didn't wake up in the morning and go, that's it. This is what I'm meant to do, right? Yeah. I didn't have like that feel of I'm ready to just go with it. I hadn't had that feeling since I worked at the hospital, you know, mm -hmm. like where I would wake up, like couldn't wait to go see the kids and just be with them and play all day and create games and do capture the flag at night when everyone left. And I would run around at night in the hospital with the kids with flashlights and walkie talkies. And just, I mean, that was like, it was like heaven. Yeah. Were you aware of the sense that that was heaven and you were missing it deeply in what you were doing? Or? There were days. Yeah. There were days when it could even be as simple as like, I'd go to a restaurant and you'd look at the person behind, you know, at like the IHOP, right? Like just making pancakes, smiling. And I'm like, must be kind of nice to just not have the pressure and the, you know, just the person likes what they're doing. They're kind of, you know, it's just, yeah, there were definitely days and going back and looking, even now when I see a kid in a wheelchair, it just kind of brings back that, I really do miss it. <laughs> there are days that I do miss it. It's funny, about two years ago, I did a mastermind because I'm still in touch with a bunch of people that work at the hospital. And after the mastermind, we, I said, so her name's Debbie. I said, Debbie, I want to bring these six or seven people to the hospital. And then could we throw a party for the kids? And we did. And I took them all to the children's hospital. I brought pizza and we I had a DJ and uh. we had a party for the kids. And one kid, who, he used to be, he was like 15 when I used to work there. And he, he heard I was coming and he came to visit me mm. at that night. And I hadn't seen him. I haven't seen him in 20 And he's like 40 years old now. Wow. And he's married and has two kids. It was just unreal. It felt like I was home. Huh. So I'm, I'm trying to find ways to kind of reconnect with that. Yeah, feel you know? like you're home again. Yeah. This story is presented by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA produced by ACAST Creative. 25 years ago, Invesco QQQ rethought the investing landscape by providing access to the NASDAQ's 100 most innovative companies all in one ETF. With Invesco QQQ, investors saw all the possibilities that innovation could deliver. Personally, I had a wake-up call in my 30s that led me to invest deeply in myself to unlock new possibilities. I walked away from a career as a lawyer, overhauled my lifestyle through mindset and exercise and nutrition, and completely reimagined my career. And it was unsettling at times, but that investment in my potential allowed me to live so much more creatively and with purpose and passion. Invesco is proud to sponsor the new Ways to Win podcast, hosted by longtime coaches and mentors Craig Robinson and John Calipari. So in Ways to Win, the coaches use their on-court wisdom to solve for off-court problems and help you find a winning formula for success. In this clip from the show, we'll hear Craig share his advice for weighing a decision to switch from investment banking to full-time coaching. Let's take a listen. The advice that I would give somebody who's weighing a decision that is less risky or more risky, I always tell them to work back from what they're wanting to accomplish right? What the reward is, what's at the end and work back and try and set yourself up to get to where you want to get to. Because sometimes taking a risk is the right thing to do to get something that you want. 
And what I try and counsel people to do is not be afraid to take risks. Because if you set yourself up properly with a good education, a great network of friends, and you've got family behind you, you can usually weather most storms if things don't work out the way you thought they'd work out. So listen to Ways to Win wherever you get your podcasts to get more wisdom from Craig. Nobody knows what's ahead, but one thing's for certain. You can access tomorrow's innovation today with Invesco QQQ ETF. Let's rethink possibility. So thank you for listening to this special story brought to you in partnership with Invesco QQQ and produced by Acast Creative. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more defined investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco is not affiliated with Acast Creative. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So when those nutrition companies start to go south, it kind of delivers you into a window of your life where it's almost like a dark period where a lot of things start to... Everything collapsed. Yeah. Yeah, I call it like my dark years. Um, Within a few years, both the supplement companies collapsed. My internet marketing company started falling apart. And then, then my mom passed away from lung cancer. And then I was traveling a lot and I started drinking a lot just just to escape. I would only drink when I would go. I would look forward to like an event in Vegas. Like, oh, I can go in early and I'll get hammered. And I, I did at least three or four events. I remember where the night before I was out to like three o'clock in the morning and it's the next day I was so hungover. And I look at pictures of when I spoke at those events and I look like I was bloated and I was just, I was a mess and I'm embarrassed now about how I was. So it was just these dark years. And even if I look back at emails I wrote back then, I was cursing a lot and I was so aggressive and I was angry at everybody. And I was angry at, I had clients who I started coaching. They had nothing when I started and they were doing like, you know, seven, eight figure businesses. And here I was struggling and, you know, I was like getting jealous. It was just, it was really, really tough, um, man. Then I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, psoriatic arthritis. And I know it was definitely caused by the stress and the nutrition. And then it all took its toll and, you know, started having issues with my wife and I wasn't seeing my kids a lot. It was just, it was all falling apart. It was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you go from there? I said, you know what? I need to like see someone. 
Because I was always just going to always, you know, I'll gut it out. I'm tough. I always get back. That was my thing. I, I'll always get back up. So I started going to a, a psychologist like once a week just to kind of talk through things and started to realize that, all right, I got like a lot of stuff to work through. And I did. And it's been a process. But the first thing I did, I knew the big issue for me and for a lot of people is environment. So the very first thing I, I did, I told my wife, I told her, I'm not traveling anymore. That's it. I'm not going because when I go and if I drink and I go these and that's it. And, I, and for like five and a half years, I didn't travel once to speak or do anything at an event. I just focused on my family. I focused on my health, on restoring my health and reducing stress, on eliminating businesses that were just draining me that I wasn't really enjoying and trying to focus and trying to find that one business that'll light me up again, that could not only bring revenue, but something that's back aligned with what it is I want to do. And it's it's been a process. I mean, it's taken me a few years to battle back. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of it was about, I mean, changing environment, but also simplifying yeah. and, and also being vulnerable and seeking help, seeing mm-hmm. other people's help. I mean, I know part of this in the middle of all of this, you shared that your mom passed from cancer and it sounds like you were actually, it sounds like you were really close to both parents and yeah. they would have been people that you would have turned to yeah. when you're going through really troubling stuff. Were they aware of what you were kind of going through at that time? I don't know. I think I hit it pretty well. I don't think they knew. My dad, I still I still do. I mean, we talk every single day. So he knew financially, you know, we were having some issues, especially with the nutrition company and things were just not clicking like they used to. So he knew that, but he didn't know all the other stuff and all the stuff I was going through. So they didn't really know. I, I tried to put on a good, a good face, but only really my wife knew really what I was going through. Yeah. But yeah, but my mom passing away because she was diagnosed with- cancer in December. And then she passed away. This was 2000, diagnosed in 2009. And she passed away like three months later. And it was just devastating because I was so close to my mom. I was definitely, you asked me how I was as a kid. I was a mama's boy, a hundred percent mama's boy. So it was really tough, especially because I had four kids and her whole life, her whole life is just family. That's it. If you could define my mom with one word, family, family, everything, you know, people say, oh, you know, it's, there's God and then family. My mom's like, nope. Family first. So what killed me is that, you know, she couldn't be with my kids anymore. You know, that was her life. So it was hard. It still is hard. You know, it gets easier as the days go by. I don't cry every day like I used to, you know, for a long time, but I miss her. No. I'm sorry. When you went through this sort of like this window with your wife, because I got to imagine this affects your relationship with your wife as yeah. well yeah. in pretty major ways. It had to have been hard for both of you. It was. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. I mean, it takes its toll, you know, relationships are hard enough, you know, and then add in financial pressure and add in, you know, the stress and the traveling and the, it was just, it was not good. Yeah. But we've been together for a long time. We met in college. We started dating our senior year in college. So Mm -hmm. we've been together like a long time. We've been through a lot together. She actually lost her father a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. from a brain tumor as well. So we're there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that at some point, you get to a point where probably, you know, in no small part due to the way you were living your lifestyle, you end up with an autoimmune conditions. Cause I know you now and Mm -hmm. I know you're active. I know that you don't, all the symptoms that I remember a chunk of years back, you sharing with me that I had no idea you were dealing with until we sat down. I remember I came out to Connecticut one day, we're sitting in a cafe and you're like, you know, this has been going on with me. I'm like, I had no idea. Yeah. And as you sit here with me today, Mm -hmm. those symptoms are gone. Oh yeah. So what yeah. happened? So I, yeah, it, what happened was I was, I remember I was playing tennis and my feet were killing me. I'm like, what is going on? 
I went to every doctor you could imagine. I went to a physical therapist. I went to every doctor. No one could figure out what was going on. Finally went to a rheumatologist and they, they looked at me immediately and he said, autoimmune, it's psoriatic arthritis. So what does that actually mean? So basically it's saying I have psoriasis, but it's not the physical, you would never know. You can't even see it, but it manifests as arthritis. It was like basically attacking my joints. It's inflammation. So this doctor said, well, the only way to cure it is to give you methotrexate, which is chemo. I'm like, well, that sounds kind of extreme. Like for life or just for- Oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He's like, well, we'll do it for six months and then we'll check. I'm like, well, isn't that like bad? Like <laughs> he's like, well, just make sure you're not around people who like get sick. I said, doc, I have four kids. Someone always has a cold. Like there's always something. He's like, well, just, you know, we'll, we'll come in every week. We'll check your blood. I'm like, well, isn't there any other thing? He's like, no, we don't know what caused it. We just have to basically kill all the different cells. I'm like, all right, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Let me see what other options. He goes, all right, look, other options, and then come back. So I just went on a mission to like figure out what was going on and started learning more about autoimmune and it was inflammation and, and diet and stress and exercise and all these things. And I just went to simplify. I said, that's it. I have to figure out what's going on. And it was so bad. It was, I mean, I remember one night, my wife and I, we, we go out date night every week in a restaurant and there was, there was a spot like a block away. I'm like, I can't park there. It's, it's, I can't even walk a block. It hurt mm, that much. Wow. It was that painful. I couldn't snap my, like now it sounds weird that I could, I'm so excited. I couldn't snap my fingers. It hurt that much. My hands, my feet were killing me and I was exhausted. I would take two hour naps in the middle of the day. And now I am, you never want to say cure, but I've reversed it. Like I don't, I don't have any symptoms at all. I was at the track the other day sprinting again. I'm down 30 something pounds. I'm back wearing the same pants size I wore in high school. Just simple things. Like what? Uh, so- because when, when you go from a doctor basically saying, you need to take chemo level yeah. <laughs> medication and nobody should be around you if right, they're right. sick for potentially for life to saying, I'm down 30 pounds. I was at the track. Everything feels great. And it was really simple. You know, a lot of it, I think, has to do with gut health, right? And, and staying away from inflammatory foods. Not that I don't have them. I just don't have them as much anymore. I would have a typical crappy diet. I mean, I was eating sandwiches every day for lunch. You know, the big ones, gluten, dairy, and sugar. So, But I've cut them down tremendously. Every day I do a 20 minute workout. That's it. Just a 20 minute workout where it's a combination walking on the treadmill. So low impact stuff at a high incline and then jumping off every two minutes and doing some body weight stuff, pushups, pull-ups, abdominal exercise, core exercises. And that's it. I do a 20 minutes a day. And changing nutrition sounds like it was also at the center of it. The nutrition was the big, was the biggie yeah. because you can't out exercise a bad diet. So the nutrition was the biggie and uh, I needed to start something simple. And that was like, it just, I needed to simplify. I needed to change everything. How long was it until you actually started to notice that your changes in lifestyle were actually affecting your autoimmune symptoms? Almost immediately. So there was like two phases of autoimmune. So the okay. autoimmune, when I was first diagnosed a few years ago, I immediately cut out all sugar, all wheat, all gluten, all sugar, all dairy, everything. And I started feeling better in like a week hmm. right away. But the problem was... Like every diet, right? It was so restrictive. Right. You know, no gluten, no dairy, no sugar. I couldn't eat anything. <laughs> I really, like, I know you're pretty much living like that, but it's really hard. It is. And also, I mean, like four or five years ago, just in that window of time, it's gotten way easier. Oh my God. Because people have become so much more sensitized to the importance right. of clean food and whole food. But even five years ago, it, it was, was much very different. different. Much yeah. different. So it was really, it was really hard to stick with it. So uh -huh. I started slowly introducing it back. But I didn't have a system and the weight started coming back and the symptoms started coming back till about, it was a little over a year ago 
we went on a, a vacation. I took my family to Florida. I'll never forget this. You have one of these moments. I remember wearing a pair of jeans to Florida. It was February. So it was freezing in, in Connecticut. And then we go to Florida. We have our vacation. You know, I'm eating like a pig. I come back. And as I'm going to put my pants on in Florida to get back on the plane, my jeans didn't fit anymore. I'm saying to my wife, what what'd you do to the pants? She's like, what do you mean? I said, did you wash them? She said, no, I didn't wash your pants. Like, what are you talking about? I came home and I had a bad, my head was killing me. I went to the doctor, another sinus infection. It was like all this stuff was happening. And the doctor weighed me and took, and it was, I was almost 200 pounds. I'm only 5'8". I was borderline prehypertensive and that scared the heck out of me. I'm like, and it was that day. I'm like, that's it. I, you know, my symptoms were starting to come back. My weight was going up. My health was deteriorating quickly. Even though my business was starting to get better, this, I'm like, I need to change this. And that was the day. I'm like, that was it. And from that day, the weight just started coming off and I started getting back my health. Like just having a system. To me, it started, I always had said this thing called win the morning. Like you got to win the morning. And I wasn't winning the morning. I would, every morning for me would be different. One day it would be if we had a leftover donut or one day I wouldn't eat. Then I tried intermittent fasting. And all I did was freaking think about food all day. Like, <laughs> I don't know how people do that. All, all I did was think about food. It's kind of funny. Uh, I think I've done intermittent fasting and actual fast. I think at, like longer term true fasting is actually easier because mm-hmm. your body just adjusts to it. And then you're kind of like, yeah. okay. I mean, I would wake, all I do is I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, all right, it's 11.52. I got right. like eight minutes till I could eat. And then I'd shove my face, you know, food in my face. I'm like, that's not working. So I'm like, it doesn't make sense. So I started, I'm like, let me just have something simple and healthy in the morning. So I started with the nutrition bar. I couldn't find a good bar. So that's where this idea of this new health company I was creating. But that was, I'm like, let me at least win the morning. And let me try salad for lunch. And I started experimenting with different salads. I'm like obsessed with salads now. And then just trying to have something good for dinner. It's so interesting too, because you're- Here's a guy who has spent now decades involved in the health, fitness, mm-hmm. wellness, nutrition world. Yeah. You know, you have access to essentially so many of the top doctors anyone, and healthcare any doctor, providers, anyone you want. Any professional strength coach. I know. They're all on my phone. Yeah. Right. And yet the way that you needed to find the thing that works for you was essentially to just start to run your own experiments mm-hmm. and to, to like figure out, okay, so in theory, all of these things work in a laboratory. Right. Right. But for you to live your life yeah. and be able to have something where, you know, I can sustain this approach to the way that I fuel my body and move my body and build my living relationships. I can sustain that for life. Right. You have to make some more real world decisions and at the same time sort of figure out, okay, so what's going to work for my body, for my life, and what can I sustain for a really long time? I think that's where so many people go wrong with their lifestyle changes is they look at like a standard universal approach, which is like, Mm -hmm. okay, so this approach, you know, like in university studies, you know, shows that 80% of the people in it have a dramatic reduction in symptoms, which is very, which can be true. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's good science. Right. And at the same time, when they're no longer in, you know, a controlled environment, a controlled study, knowing they're going to be held accountable, you know, to investigators on a weekly basis and they have Mm -hmm. to go back into their lives, you know, like that protocol is just not sustainable for a long period of time. And they start to revert. I mean, even people who have had heart attacks and go through cardiac rehab, very often six months to a year down the road have reverted to the same behaviors, even knowing Mm -hmm. what they've been through. And it's really, you know, I think like the message with that is it's so important to really, yes, inform yourself, Mm -hmm. go go out and do the research, talk to really smart people. And then you've really just got to run 
the experiments to understand what will work for you on an individual level that you can sustain. Exactly. And that's, that's a big thing. Like it's got to work for you. And I'll tell people, like if you're doing intermittent fasting and you've been doing it for a long time and you love it and that's like your favorite thing and, and it works for you, great, then do it. Like if it's working for you and you're healthy and everything's great and you can do it for a lifetime, that's awesome. I just, I know just about every diet, what they do is, you know, you'll turn the book and page by page 15 or 16, here it comes. The list of forbidden foods or foods you can't eat, like no, and they list all these, and you're like, what? I can no, I can never have a cookie again for the rest of my life. Are you? And now all of a sudden, every time you see a cookie, that's all you want. So you, yeah, you got to experiment and play and see what works for you and what feels right. And I just knew, for me, everything, getting back my health, my relationship with my wife, with my kids, my business, nutrition, exercise, everything always comes down to one word for me. It's simple. It's trying to simplify as much as I can and not overanalyze. Even with, I mean, you could take anything. You could name any fruit or vegetable, Jonathan. Name anything. Cucumber. Okay. <laughs> and you know there's going to be people. You, so you could say, okay, you can add a cucumber to the water and it's great and it tastes great. And, it's great. and so there's going to be a hundred people who say, well, no, you should add a lemon because it has more acidity, blah, blah, blah. It's going to stimulate the... No matter what, <laughs> you could pick a harmless thing. Like there's always going to be someone to find the cell. I'm like, you know what? If you're having good fruits and vegetables, eat as much as you want. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. So uh, over the last couple of years, you've reclaimed your health. You've reclaimed your relationship much more present. Like you've cut your travel down to almost nothing, much more present oh, yeah. as a father. Right. You were telling me recently that, uh, you know, like where you are, there's literally a nature preserve behind your house and you're mm -hmm. like out there walking with your oh, kids on a regular basis and playing with them, which yeah. is, I think the dream for a lot of people. And the way your brain works is, I mean, it's interesting to see you iterate through different businesses and different, <laughs> go through windows of like being really high and being really low. Oh yeah. And you, you and I, I think are wired similarly in that we kind of walk down the street and we see problems that can be solved. <laughs> yep. And you started a media company a couple of years back, which was designed to sort of like go back to your roots to a certain extent. But, mm -hmm. but more interesting to me is there's a new venture that you're, I mean, literally launching pretty yeah. much as we record yeah. this, that's based on this journey that you've taken. That's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. It's because um, it's so personal. It's based on my health. Yeah. I'm getting back into the health space and it feels amazing. And I'm calling the company Rewind because we're rewinding the clock. We're turning it back. And yeah, it was all based on the idea of winning the morning. And I created this bar to solve a problem for myself. It's like, I want to have a good bar that has the greens and the fruits and the veggies and the, the protein and the, the fiber and it's gluten-free and vegetarian and vegan and no added dairy. So there wasn't one that existed. I just knew there wasn't one that kind of could do everything. And that was where the idea, I'm like, why don't I just create it myself? And it lit me up in a feeling that I have not had in like 20 years. This, almost since I started my first sports training business online, it was like that feeling of this is what I'm meant to do at this time. And it's taken me this many years to do it. And even the name Rewind is kind of going back, like kind of, you know, turning back the clock and starting over and uh, yeah. getting a redo. It's funny, like you're, you guys can't see this listening, but um, Ryan's <laughs> body language just sort of like changed yeah. dramatically as you start talking about that. I mean, it is, it's interesting also because this is, it feels like one of these things where it started out because you had a personal need. Mm-hmm. 
and you tried everything out there that was sort of like being offered and you're like, right. okay, so you know, I, I can kind of piece together what I need. Right. But wouldn't it be cool if there was actually something that I could literally like tear open a wrapper and just like jam on it in the morning. Right. And then knowing that there are a whole bunch of people who are sort of like in the middle years of their lives and waking up with, you're not the only one who's got, you know, who had achy joints or autoimmune conditions or inflammation in their body. Right. I mean, and the idea of starting a company that creates things that are first solve your own problem. Mm -hmm. um, but then is genuinely of service, right? Like is creating things that genuinely are designed to go out there and help people feel better. And I'm, I feel like I'm on this high and it's just infectious. Like I'm shouting from the rooftops and I'm, I'm, I always say to people like, I hope I don't sound preachy, but I just get, I get so excited, especially if I'm talking, if I'm speaking to other entrepreneurs, like when you really tap into that, like not just saying you're tapping into, but really tapping into that and building it around a service. Cause it really is about serving others. Like if you come from that place, it's really hard to lose. You know, obviously you have to be strategic. You have to know what you're doing. You have to, you know. I mean, it's interesting to be sitting down with you now, you know, because you're literally on the verge of launching this new company, launching something really big and cool. What scares you about it? You know, that's a great question. And for some reason, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because working all those years at the hospital and seeing so many people's lives cut short and working at the school and knowing kids that were shot and killed. And, you know, those kids in South Bronx, every day they would leave their apartment. They didn't know if they're going to get jumped. They would take weapons. Like that's fear. I'm not scared. Like I, I'm really, what's the worst that happens? So I, I'm not going to risk everything. I'm not going to risk my entire life savings and my family's future. I'm going to put some money in that I know I could afford to lose if it doesn't work. And I'm giving it a shot, man. I'm going to go down swinging. So I'm, I'm not scared. I'm just leaning into it, man. I look forward to a challenge. Maybe because I'm from New York, I'm a little scrappy. Mm -hmm. I kind of like, I like to uh, cause a ruckus. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to give it everything I got. Uh, there's no, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I'm not scared. Mm -hmm. Feels like a good place for us to come full circle. So as we hang out here, name of this is Good Life Project. So if yes. I offer up this phrase, to live a good life, what comes up? To live a good life is doing what you love. Doing, yeah, and, in, and just waking up every day with a smile. I mean, for me, living a good life is my favorite thing in the world is at night being able to, you know, after the kids have eaten, done all their homework, laying on the couch with them, watching some TV, eating some popcorn. If I could, the more I can do that, the better life I got. <laughs> so mm. that's a good life for me. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. So if you're still listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just completely love that you enjoyed this episode so much that you've listened until now. You're an awesome human being. And while we're wrapping things up, might as well um, share a quick shout out to our super cool brand partners. If you love the show, and I'm guessing you do because you're still here, please support them. They help make the podcast possible. Check out the links in today's show notes. And don't forget also your spot at this year's Camp GLP. As we recently announced, this will be our final year. We're expecting about 400 amazing humans from all around the world. It's going to be more epic than ever. And if you've been waiting, be sure to register soon. You can find that link at goodlifeproject.com slash camp today, or just click the link in the show notes. See you next week.